Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the final lesson in Unit 4. So we've done a whole, a whole unit. There are nine units, so we've done one of the nine. And next week we pick up with Unit 5, Lesson 1. Um, so, um, I think it's funny that last week they gave us 36 verses, this week they give us 7. So, they like to, <laughs> they like to switch it up. Um, well, before we begin, let's open up with prayer. Lord God, you have caused all the Holy Scriptures to be written for our learning. May we so hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by the patience and comfort offered by your Holy Word, we may embrace and ever hold fast to the blessed hope of eternal life, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. All right, so this morning we're looking at the account of the water from the rock. Good morning. Good morning. I think it's in my office if you're looking for your Bible. I was. It's in my office. Somewhere. Oh, okay. You left it in my office. Um, the, we're looking for the, the water of the rock. The, um, the Bible truth that the curriculum wants to convey to us is that God satisfies all my needs. The learner goal is that I uh, can consider how God satisfied the needs of his people in the wilderness and thank him for how he satisfies my needs today. And John 7.37 says, is a Bible verse that says this, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Alright, so our opening reflection is what do you think it means to be satisfied with life? What makes you most satisfied with life and least satisfied with life? with life and why is that so what does it mean to be satisfied with life i think our perspective of being satisfied is totally different from what us uh the way you would look at it is <laughs> truthfully what i don't think any of us are satisfied with life yeah to some degree some degree. what how would you define that word satisfied it's something that makes sense sense like satisfied your the, you have a question that's satisfied. Okay, there's a, there's an intellectual satisf. Yeah. yeah, it could be physical. What? Are, yeah. Well, what about? For me, it's content. That's the word we want. <clears throat> Contentment. Another way to say this is content. Uh, so let's let's swap that out. And are you, what is it? What do you think it means to be content with life? Having a purpose. Having a purpose. Right? Really? Yeah. So, so having having a purpose or a purpose to your life, right? Um, knowing what you're here for and why you're here, uh, that could that could, you know, um, that kind of thing. Um, Happy with what you have, not constantly looking for more. Right. More. Yep. There's a yep. Happy with what you have. That and 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 being content can include. Things like what, what, what I is, you were tell us. No, I, I'm, I'm waiting. Yeah. What are some things that help make you content with life? Food. Food. That's that's shelter. Shelter, right? Good health. Good health. Yep. 
Contentment is stuff that doesn't bother you. <laughs> so if you have bad health, it bothers you, so you're not content. Sure. So if you have something that bothers you, you're not content, so you got to try to eliminate that. Mm-hmm. And, and what so so that, that that moves us over to the other side of this question what what makes us discontent with life what are things that i think the corporate world tries to make us discontent mm-hmm. by trying to sell their products and sure. advertise things that life is better if you only buy my product right right yeah there's the a materialism that 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 just kind of can, can can bug you for sure. Yeah, the first guy from Madison Avenue was the snake in the garden. That's right. Really want that out. Sometimes discontent, so they wanted that out. Another content over. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes health issues, health issues, personal yep. and of loved ones around you. Right. Um. So some things that that might. Um, help us that, that that help us to be content are things like money, work, family, free time, uh, accomplishing something, maybe hobbies, sports, that kind of thing. Being in a sinful world, uh, the knowledge that it's only a temporary condition. Right. That's, yep. Existential dread. All right. So so. Every week we're told we're going to die. <laughs> Every Sunday. Yeah. Most people don't hear that. <laughs> and there's a new COVID coming. There's not. Well, it's already week. coming. Yeah. yeah. That'll be another one by the end of the week. And you can only have two drinks a week. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Probably zero. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be a nice saving to <laughs> Yeah, they so, wouldn't want to uh, lose out any tax, right? <laughs> so, um... This leads into our text where we're going to catch up with, with God's people in the wilderness. Um, they're still not quite at Sinai yet. They're still on, on their way to Sinai from, from um, Egypt. And you'll find the murmuring again. This is the third time they've murmured in two months. So that by the time they get to, get to the M- Mount Sinai... And they murmur a, a third time and then do the, 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 the uh, golden calf thing. God's ready to wipe them out. He literally, he literally says, Moses, step aside. I am going to wipe these people out. I'll make a nation out of you. And Moses intercedes on their behalf. So th- they really get on God's nerves. Um, he has got more patience than we would. Um, God was not content. God was not content with the Israelites. But what's, So we're going to find the people in the wilderness... And God is going to satisfy their thirst, um, and He and He's going to show by that um, uh, who He is and what He does to fulfill those promises. All right, let's start with chapter seven, verses seventeen. I should say one to three. I'll give that a read. All the congregation of the people of Israel moved on from the wilderness of sin by stages according to the commandment of the Lord, and camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore, the people found fault with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, Why do you find fault with me? 
Why do you put the Lord to the proof? But the people thirsted there for water, and the people murmured against Moses and said, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our cattle with thirst? <laughs> That's right. Close. Close. All right. What do you do you suppose was the test or the proof that Moses refers to here? And he says, put the Lord to the test. Put the, that he wouldn't provide for them. God already showed them. <laughs> they're, they're literally leaving the place where he provided for them last. Right? And, and so they're testing whether God will provide for them. And so they're testing God's, take a step up, is faithfulness. his faithfulness. That's right. They're, they're also te testing his patience. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly they are. So they're testing God's faithfulness. Um, how might we act foolishly in a similar way today? Complain about something that we already have. Don't know how good we really have it. A first world issue, that's right. Yep, absolutely. Um, and when COVID was going on, everybody's complaining about well, at least they're not dropping bombs on us. Well, then Russia rolls into Ukraine. Now they have a problem. For sure. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's. They don't. People don't look at the silver lining of the cloud, or what you can do with lemons. Right, lemonade's a great drink. Right. And what are they? What are is what is Israel doing besides questioning their faith, faithfulness? They have a demand of God. What is their demand? Water. They, they, they're demanding water. So, so they're, they're demanding, they're insisting that God, that, that God work on their terms. <laughs> that, God, that, that, God, that, that God listens to them. Uh, that they, the, you know, he who pays the piper calls the tune. They think they, you know, they're calling the tune here. Um, but God wants you to petitions to him. Sure. Right? Yeah. But, but not in the manner there. Not in the manner. Right. There's a... Um, yeah. It's similar, it's similar to when they were, the disciples were in the boat with Jesus and there was a storm. Kind of the same thing. They, in a sense, they, they kind of know he can do something about it. Like, they're in the wilderness and they said, give them water. Yep. Like, where's water you come from? Cats <laughs> and kids sort of do the same thing. You can do this for us, so come on. And um, so, so going back to this, um, going back to this, the second part of this question, how do you think we can do the same thing here? Well, I think um, so. First, we see they, they they demanded God demanded God to provide for them. That's in verse two. In verse 3, I think we see them questioning God's protection. They asked, why? This is a, a familiar, this, they, they keep saying this. 
What do they keep saying? They say this every time they, they complain. He brought us up out of Egypt just to kill us. <laughs> just to kill us. Um, so so they're, they're questioning God's protection, God's provision. God's provided for them. You know, you'd think that after all the, all of the ten plagues, um, you know, you know, they saw, we only saw Cecil B. DeMille's version. Is it Cecil B. DeMille, the guy yeah. who did Ten Commandments? We only saw his version. They saw the real thing, right? In, you know, full high definition. Uh, <laughs> they, got the 3D they got the 3D version, right? The immersive experience. Um, and yet they still don't trust this guy. They still don't trust God. They, don't, they still question the, his motives. Um, they're going through a hard time. The desert is hot. Have you ever been to the? Have you ever seen pictures of the Judean wilderness? Does not look like a very fun place to have a picnic. It you know, rolling sand dunes and scorpions. dusty mountains and scorpions and you know. So you know they're wandering there for two months now and they're already complaining and and so how do you think we thinking about that? How do we do the same things? Remember how good life was before we had to worry about global warming? <laughs> before we had the war in Ukraine. That's right. Remember how good things were before COVID? That's right. Yep. The good old bad old days. Yeah. Why is God letting global warming happen? Why is why why are our church? Oh, we remember the days, and we always exaggerate just a little yeah, bit, right? Bus we had you know we had seven we had seven school buses out there. The kids were packed in here like sardines. You know we always exaggerate it just a little bit because uh, we look back with rosy glasses. The, the past is always nicer than the present, but we don't. You know, we can do the same thing when we accuse God of trying. To harm us when we're in, going through a bad time. You know? And it's not as though the Israelites were happy when they were in Egypt either. No, that's right. Um, so we can think that God has abandoned us in our wilderness. What's your, you know, to allegorize the text a little bit. Um, it's not, not, not terribly good. We are in the wilderness of sin. That's right. That's right. Um, how many of you fight with sin? Things that keep bugging you, and you just can't beat it. It's like playing a game of whack-a-mole sometimes, and you can think, God, I thought we believed in the Holy Spirit and sanctification, and how come I'm not getting a handle on this? And yet, I still do this thing. It's like whack-a-mole. Um, and we can think that God has abandoned us. Um, but God hasn't abandoned them. What is God trying to do? Test their faith. To test their faith, to see if he's, they're going to trust him or not. Why does so? This gives us an insight into why bad things happen to us. Why does God allow hard times in our lives? Test our faith. To test our faith. To the see, are are you going to cling to God? You cling to God now when when you're warm and you're fed and you're healthy and you're happy. What about when you're diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and you've got ten days to live and you're bleeding out? You going to trust God then? What if you, the, 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 you know, you come, you go home today and, and there's a disaster and your house is destroyed and, and you know, are you going to trust God then? Or it, if you're like Job and all your kids uh, deny the faith and your spouse tells you to curse God and die, are you going to, are you going to trust God then? Um, you know, there's that old phrase, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. Are you going to cling to God come hell or high water? 
That's, that's kind of the question here that we want to ask ourselves. And if we, are, and if we don't think that we have that ability to, to, to cling to God when the going gets tough, then the next question to ask ourselves is, what can I do now to make it so that when the going gets tough, I will cling to him? I, I, you know, what, you know what, what, what attitudes do I have to change? Uh, what do I have to do? So, okay, I think we beat that. But, uh, um, so uh, the commentary here says, um, we, we too can act foolishly by complaining that if God doesn't give us what we believe is due to us now, that he has abandoned us. If God doesn't bring any new people to St. Peter's, has he abandoned you? No. Right? It, it's, it's, if God decides it's time, guys, to close the church doors in, in 10 years, has he abandoned you? No. He hasn't. Sometimes, absolutely. Even, even with our families, they don't come. That's right. You know, years later, decades later, it's like when God. And we don't. We can't see all. We can't see all ends, right? Um, um, though we may not be able to see all of God's promises fulfilled in this life with our eyes, we know that by faith in God's promises, a faith that's sustained by word and sacrament, He will ultimately fulfill His promises in the new life. It, of the new creation, I think I think that's that's a really good point to make. All right, let's move on to the next chunk of verses. We're already halfway through our text, um, <laughs> and we've got one question. All right, somebody want to read verses four through six? So Moses cried to the Lord, "What shall I do with these people? <laughs> they are almost ready to stone me." And the Lord said to Moses. Pass on before the people, taking with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile, and go. Behold, I will stand before you on the rock of Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water shall come out of it, and the people will drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. Oh, yes. I, I, I think that verse 4 is so funny. <laughs> What am I going to do with these people? They're ready to stone me. <laughs> um, the question is, no, it, notice here, um, the question is focused here on um, verse 6 here. Behold, I will stand before you. When God shows up in a visible form before his people, as in this case, it generally signifies something major is going on. What might be the significance of God's presence here in this miracle? He's getting serious. Yeah, there's certainly that, that aspect of it. What, what, um, with what does he tell Moses to strike the rock? A rod. Which rod? <clears throat> Same one he used at the Nile. I think that's an important little detail. Not just any rod. It's the same one he used for every miracle in the ten plagues. Right? God is, you know, 
God, is, so they would have known that rod. They would have seen him use it 10 times. They would have seen him hold it out over the Red Sea to keep the waters parted. And as soon as he withdraws his hand, the you know, the rod. So they, they know this rod. So, so why does God tell him to use that rod, that staff? It seems to be the thing that works. <laughs> it seems to... It's his James Bond gadget that does everything. It's God-given. It's God-given. And he wants... He wants to remind them of the ten plagues, right? By the way, don't forget who I am. Do you remember what I did to Egypt? Do you remember? You know, right. So he's he's tying. He wants them to to be reminded of who he is, his power, his majesty. Um, what other? Why else is this? Do you think this is significant? The staff, like that particular staff. No, 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 just this, God's showing up. Why is God showing up here this, um, uh, significant? Maybe because to man, rock or stone is like impermeable. You can't do anything with it. God's standing on this rock. This is the thing nobody can touch. Watch this. Hmm. Moses strikes it. Moses wants to talk about the unbelievable happening. And God's there. Oh. Right. It goes back to uh, the Bible verse back on the top there. If anyone thirsts, right. come to me. Come to who? Me. Me? Yeah. Who just showed up? God. All right. Turn with me in your Bibles. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We make up for the fact that the lesson makes up for the fact that there's only seven verses by having us go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Nope. 1 to 5. I'll read it. By the way, if you want a quick course in how to understand the Bible, if you understand the Bible, Differently than the way the apostles did, you're not understanding it right. <laughs> just, just a footnote there. All right, let's go. I want you to know, brethren, that our fathers were all under the cloud, and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same supernatural food, and they all drank the same supernatural drink. For they drank from the supernatural rock, which followed them, and the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. One to five, did I say? Yeah, one to five. Now, how does Paul understand what's going on here? How is Paul? The rock was Jesus. Right. Now, he doesn't mean, um, he means uh, the rock is a, um, it, it, it's a, a type, a sign of Jesus. It, it prefigures Jesus. It points towards Jesus. It's, Jesus is not literally the, wall, the rock. Where is Jesus in, in the Moses story in Exodus? He's there. He shows up. 
God, God, remember it says God was present before them. That's Jesus. John chapter 1 says, no one has seen the Father at any time. Nobody has ever seen God the Father. But what about all those times when God shows up? The only, the only son who's in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. Anytime God shows up in the Old Testament, it's actually Jesus. God the Son, the second person of the Trinity. All right? That's his, that's his role. Um, so you have the, the, a sign of the presence of God. We, we're not, it, he doesn't really describe it, what it is. He just says he shows up. And you have the rock. And he hits the rock. Moses hits the rock with the staff and water flows out. With that in mind, what is Paul doing? How does Paul understand what's going on there? What does Paul say that that, that event symbolizes? Baptism. Baptism? Yes. Yes. You've, um, your answer is 100% correct. It's, but it's like you've, you've put the, the right answer and you get marks, but you didn't show your work and how you got there. You know what I mean? It's like a math question. So let, let's go back. She's, she's absolutely right. This points to baptism. Let's go back and show the work and how we got there. It's the living waters. It's the living waters, right? Remember Jesus said that? Um, out of, you know, he, he, there, somewhere, I think it's in John, Jesus stands up and he says, if anybody thirsts, let him come to me. And, um, and um, out of him will come living waters. And then the commentator says, this he spoke of the Spirit, which he would pour out later, right? So the Holy Spirit is likened to water. All right? The Holy Spirit is, is likened to water. Um, all right, so, so we got, we, we've got that. What? How? It, it says here, too, that they were overthrown in my translation. Overthrown in the wilderness, yeah. Um, is it almost like they've, they've been shown they were wrong to humble them and punish them so yeah. they could repent. Yeah, that, that's, that's a little bit, um, that's a reference to the fact that God made them, uh, he, want, he made them wander in the desert for 40 years until each and every last one of those men died. Oh, not men, but each and every adult individual who saw the, 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 the ten plagues, died in the wilderness. God made sure that none of them would enter the promised land. He killed them all. He let them all. He waited a whole generation and brought their kids in because he, he didn't want anything more to do with them. And so they wandered for 40 years in the desert until they, at last one of them dropped dead, including Moses, and then they crossed over. The only two people were Joshua and Caleb because they were the only two who... So that's what it's referring to by overthrown in the wilderness. Um, why did you bring us here to die? Because <laughs> <laughs> you pissed me off. That's right. Um, so now think about it. So, but think about it again. I'll, 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 there's a rock. It is struck, and water comes out. And Paul says that's Jesus. What does he mean? There's some symbolism there with him being. Uh, stuck with the spear on the cross. Yes. The water came out. He was stricken and smitten, afflicted, right? This is, Jesus was crucified for us, and Paul sees this as a connect, as a, as a prefiguring of the Jesus being the rock, rock of ages, cleft for me, 
let me hide myself in thee, right? Let the water and the blood from thy riven side which flowed be for me the double cure, save from wrath and make me pure, right? Uh, um, the, the, whoever wrote that hymn, um, which is usually a favorite, um, is, 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 is right, right? Jesus is the rock cleft, clo broke, split for us. Um, Jesus is the one from whose side water, blood and water flows out. The water is the Holy Spirit. From the death of Jesus, we get the gift of the Holy Spirit, right? Um, uh, and, and we also get eternal life. Um, so now you see a, a little bit of, of what, now we can get to, to baptism. Uh, baptism unites you to the death of Jesus, right? Uh, uh, instead of you dying in the wilderness, Jesus dies for you, right? You, um, um, and so that's, um, that, that, I think that that's, um, that's important to, to, to see. Um, um, Jesus is the rock who was struck for our salvation. Instead of striking us, God struck the Son. Um, so that's, it's a foreshadowing of, of um, the, the, the um, death of Christ. Um, and, and so um, this um, ties then to um, both um, whereas the manna, the manna last week kind of symbolizes, foreshadows, points forward towards the Lord's Supper, this points forward to holy baptism, as Beth said, because um, of the connection between water and the Holy Spirit. Um, um, yeah. Um, so, so that's um, that, that's important to see. Um, there's an old Jewish tradition that uh, this rock followed them through the desert and kept giving them water. The text doesn't say that, but it was a rabbinic tradition, and Paul picks up on that and he kind of does a riff on that. Here, and so if you're wondering what what does it mean by the rock followed them, it's he's referring to a, a, a extra biblical tradition. Um, but in, in reality, they were roaming around and they ended up back at Rephidim. Oh yeah, forty years later. Yeah, yeah. So and and they, yeah. And what what happens the second time? What does God? Well, the second time they come here, what does God tell Moses to do when the people speak to the rock? Speak to the rock. <laughs> And Moses strikes the rock again. Why did God not tell him to strike it again? Because it was already done once. Yeah, and Jesus only was only struck once, and how he's not crucified again. How do you get how do you get the benefits of Christ's death after right. he's died through the word by speaking? So, so that that that's what God intended, uh, but Moses kind of. Messed up God's <laughs> symbolism by by not following instructions. Um, it worked last time. That's right. 
And the, the other problem with, Mo, we might come to that, I'm not sure if we do that story, but we might come to that story, but Moses also takes the credit for himself the second time. Um, so, um, how are we doing for time? All right, great. Um, so, um, so God, um, God makes, I'll, I'll read the, the thing here. God makes miraculous demonstration of his faithfulness and provision using visible means to convey how he will sustain his people. Even more so, St. Paul points out in 1 Corinthians 10 how this water from the walk foreshadows how Christ is a kind of spiritual walk that sustains God's people for eternity. He is like the rock at Horeb, is struck in it, and his blood, like water, gives life to his people. God's people for all time are dependent on God's freely given mercy that he sustains uh, and su his sustenance for eternal life. So I, I think that's, that's a nice way to summarize what Paul's um, getting at here. Um, great. Well, let's, somebody want to, going back to Exodus 17, somebody want to read that last verse, verse 7. And he called the name of the place Massa and Merabah because of the fault finding of the children of Israel because they put the Lord to the proof by saying, is the Lord among us or not? Yeah, so um, Meribah and Massa, you might have heard this before, you don't have to turn there, but Psalm 95, which we sing at Matins, we always end before the hard words that come after um, the part. So picking up Psalm 90, you know, we sing that every Matins. So, uh, oh, come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. But right after we stop singing, oh, 95, starting in verse halfway, we, we start halfway through verse 7 when we sing it. Oh, today that you would hearken to his voice. Harden not your hearts as at Meribah, as, at, as on the day at Massa in the wilderness, when your fathers tested me and put me to the proof, though they had seen my work. For forty years I loathed that generation and said, <laughs> They are a people who do err in their hearts, and they do not regard my ways. Therefore I swore in my anger that they should never enter my rest. Wow. <laughs> so, um... um just in case we wondered how God felt at this, you know. Um, just occurred to me the last <laughs> generation that he really loathed, he destroyed with a flood. That's right. And now here he is, he's got all his people out here in the desert. Yep. Like how opposites can be. Yeah. <laughs> it just occurred to me. And yet, God doesn't wipe them out right away, does he? Nor does he wipe out all of them. No, but he, he 40 years... He give, uh, that gave them time to <laughs> repent, to change their minds. I'm sure some of them did, right? All right, so now we, I just wanted to see that, that the connection between Meribah and Massa becomes a warning sign later. And the same thing is used in Hebrews to refer to us. In Hebrews chapter 3-ish, 4-ish, around there. Probably 4, I think, is too far, but... Um, he, the author to the Hebrew says, Beware, brothers, lest there be in you 
an unbelieving heart falling away from God. So uh, the warning, the, the same warning is given to us in Hebrews. So the question here, though, is Moses left names for places which were important, uh, where important event, events happened. What in particular do the names of the places in this narrative signify about who God is and how he works for his people? Meribah and Massa. Your, foot, your little itsy-bitsy footnotes should uh, have what Massa and Meribah mean. What does Massa mean? Mine says testing. Testing, yep, or proof, yep. And uh, what does Meribah mean? Whirling. Yep, or contention. <laughs> Quarreling and testing. That's the, um, so, so what does this mean? Um... Yeah. Um, so, 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 what in particular do the names of the places in this narrative signify about who God is and how He works among His people? He's faithful and testing. Yeah, he, He's faithful even when what? Even when we whine. whine and complain and test Him, right? Even when we put Him to the test. He's still faithful. Even in his anger, he's still merciful to them. Um, yeah, uh, he's, it says, uh, no, any, any other thoughts on that? Also the fact that Moses named those places, mm -hmm. I think that was done so that whenever those names came up, People would remember this. That's right. This be, right. This becomes a, a an important most, story most for like a shrine. Yeah, most like a shrine. That's right. Um, yeah. So so they doubted. Notice in verse seven that they doubt God's presence. Is God really among us? Um, they they doubted if God was with them as He promised. Uh, um, sometimes. Like I said, we think that God has God is not with us, that God has abandoned us in our wilderness and our trials. Yet the, the point here is that God always remains faithful. Um, um, and, and the the obvious solution to our unbelief and our discontent is to remember what God has done for us in Christ um, and his mercy towards us. God's God God's anger um, is always because of what? It, it, it's it's our sin, our sin, and, and and more than that, our lack of faith. In lack of faith in him, right? Uh, they're they're not trusting him. Um, and so so that that's a call to us to trust him. Um, yeah. So it says here the. Uh, the people put the Lord to the test through their quarreling. God's answer is the, uh, in the rock is his answer to the testing. God is truly a present with and among his people. And he's still present today. How is God present among us today? Sacraments. Sacraments. The word. the word, right? The ministry. Pastors speak instead and by the command of Christ. Um, when they preach the word, that is. Um, 
And so God is still present among us today. Um, and he still does the same thing. He, he shows us our sin. He calls us to repent and to trust in him. So um, it's... This kind of flies in the face of prosperity gospel. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, because God remains faithful even when we're not. That's right. But prosperity gospel teaches that if we're not faithful, we're not going to prosper. That's right. Um, all right, so our final reflection here. Um, consider how... God satisfied the needs of his people in the wilderness and thank him for how he satisfies your needs today. Great. So it, it's, a, it's a good lesson. Um, um, something to remember that we should, even when you're going through hard times, there's no need to not trust God. <laughs> Uh, he's always got our best effort, uh, our best um, interests in mind, and he will see us through uh, no matter what. Let's pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ, the rock who was cleft for us uh, and by whose blood we are saved from your wrath and made pure. We ask, O oh Lord, that you would help us to be grateful for um, the what you provided for us uh, through each, uh, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, that we would um, always remember that you have our best interests at heart and help us, O oh Lord, to not um, doubt or uh, complain or murmur against uh, you uh, when when our life gets hard. And this we ask. Uh, asking your blessing on the worship service this after, uh, this morning in Jesus Christ our Lord, Amen.